My why is I believe that marketing the right companies, interesting companies can help shift innovation and push us forward. And so I want to see that happen in greater amounts. And so that's why I created Digital Vision. That's why we work with Web3 companies. That's also why I created Press Jockey, because I want to give that to anyone who has a cool idea. Welcome to Fascinating Entrepreneurs. How do people end up becoming an entrepreneur? How do they scale and grow their businesses? How do they plan for profit? Are they in it for life or are they building to exit? These and a myriad of other topics will be discussed to pull back the veil on the wizardry of successful and fascinating entrepreneurs. My book, Relentless, is now available everywhere books can be bought online, including Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. Try your local indie bookstore too, and if they don't have it, they can order it. Just ask them. The reviews are streaming in, and I'm so thankful for the positive feedback, as well as hearing from people that my memoir has impacted them positively. It is not enough to be resilient. You have to be relentless. You can go to therelentlessbook.com for more information. Thank you so much. Cahill Camden is the CEO of Digital Vision Media Group, an agency that helps Web3 and technology companies optimize for growth. He also just launched PressJockey.com, which helps business owners get their media pitches out in a more succinct and easier way. We talk about how to get more press coverage with less effort, why sharing your story with the world is important, and what most businesses get wrong in their marketing strategies. Now let's get right into it. So digitalvision.io is an agency that helps Web3 companies with growth. We focus on only three things. We focus on content marketing, we focus on PR, and we focus on paid media. And then I personally do fractional CMO, so fractional chief marketing officer work for a very small amount, a handful of clients. And those small amount of clients are all Web3 clients? Yeah. So everyone is Web3. So Web3 is the new hot term for blockchain. So if you think about cryptocurrency, NFTs, blockchain, anything in that industry is related to Web3. And did you double down on that specifically because of interest or were you just trying to narrow down your niche? Yeah, good question. It was a combination of both. So I did go down the blockchain rabbit hole, you might say, about five and a half, six years ago. And we were working with a couple of my friends' companies and some technology companies. And so I've been in the tech space for about a decade. And it just became more obvious to me that this was an emerging niche that I thought we could really do interesting things here. There's interesting companies and I really like the space. So let's double down on it. Great. I'm a fan of Web3 and an early adopter as well. I will tell you this. I almost launched an NFT for the release of my book last year. Okay. I'm glad I didn't. My audience isn't quite there yet. And it would have probably killed me to try to get them there, but it's very interesting to me. So I noticed that you talk about how entrepreneurs can get more press coverage with less effort. And I think I would like to know about that, but everyone listening as well. So talk to me about that. Absolutely. So what happened was at our agency, we do PR. I mentioned that was one of the things we focused on. And I realized when we had a really, really busy season, you know, sometimes there's 
seasons. We had a really busy season. We had a number of clients and we were doing a lot of PR for our clients. And, and it got to the point where I was just hiring more staff to do work and for, for PR, to get more PR exposure. And I thought, there's got to be a better way for us to do this. And so I put together a small team and we started building software for it. And so we built a software tool called Press Jockey. And so what it does is it aggregates thousands of press requests, media requests from around the web. So, you know, those requests that you'll see on Harrow or Quoted or Source Bottle, et cetera, Twitter, journalists, bloggers, podcasters who are looking for experts. We aggregate thousands of those every week. We filter them down with AI and algorithms. And then you can respond to those with the click of a button. So we've got an AI assistant. We call it Jamie. So we've got Jamie and Press Jockey. It will create pitches for you. So it will respond directly to that request that you're looking at. And it just makes it a heck of a lot easier. So instead of you having to sort through hundreds and hundreds of emails and pitches and on multiple platforms, and it just takes time. Now, all of a sudden, you can do it in 10, 15 minutes a day. You can save dozens of hours a week. And is that geared toward Web3 clients or anyone? Anyone. Okay. So this is, this is Bigger world. From, yeah. yeah. So this is separate from Digital Vision. So Digital Vision is the agency for Web3 clients. Press Jockey is the software platform for really other agencies, PR professionals, and businesses who are looking to get more press exposure. And when did you launch Press Jockey? So we're still in our beta. So right now, there's still updates that are happening. We push live every day like literally every day. And so right now, things are still discounted 50%. We're pushing live. There's a couple bugs here and there, but we update them pretty quickly. And so we launched in middle of January, late January. We've been working on it for a year. So we've been really tweaking it, getting it right, fixing the user interface, making sure the algorithms work, et cetera. And so now we're at this point where we've got an AI assistant in there. It can help give you a ton of ideas for responding to press requests. It's super fast. It works well. Does it help uh, people that may not be media savvy to write their pitches and give them that short context that people really want instead of the press release format or the ongoing email that just covers every single thing that you know about? Yeah, the explainer, the like the 10 page explainer email that, that lists all of your highlights. Yeah, absolutely. And so this is something that again, as an agency and as an agency that does PR, I know we know that, Hey, your responses to these things cannot be long. And so we've designed it. So you've, there are multiple options for you to literally select the option that you want and generate response or create a response. And you don't have to be good at storytelling. You don't have to be good at copy. You don't have to know how to respond to press. It will do that for you. You can go in and tweak a couple of words or a sentence or two if you really want. And then you hit send email and like, that's it. So what AI are you using the open source? What, what is helping? Or is that a secret sauce? What is the backend AI you're using? Yeah, so we're using uh, open AI right now. And yeah. so we're continuing to obviously we plug it in with an API and we're continuing to tweak our model of what works the best for responding to these press requests. And as we continue to develop that model, we get better and better in terms of creating the responses, right? 
And tell me about any known placements or success stories from someone or yourself using PressChalky.com. Yeah. Well, I'd have to ask some of our clients. Like we kind of keep that separate. Like it's, it's, we haven't asked them for any of that. But we've gotten opportunities for some really large publications like Forbes. We've gotten opportunities on other platforms like yeah, we've seen Glamour. We've seen top AI publications. And so the opportunities are there. That's where it takes time to get that those placements out there. And that's what Press Jockey does for you. Great. And for those of you that are listening that didn't know some of the acronyms Cahill was mentioning, Harrow is help a reporter out. Not everybody knows about that yet, but you don't actually need to know that anymore because now you know Press Jockey. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's other platforms too, like on Twitter, someone can go on Twitter and use and use a number of hashtags to see press requests that are out there. There's other platforms that have press requests on them too, depending on the country you're at. So yeah, there's a whole bunch of them out there. That's brilliant. I'm so glad to be meeting you because of just this specifically. So you talk about the importance of sharing your story with the world. Tell me more about that. So I think right now, especially, we're in a world where You've heard about the attention economy, maybe, and hey, you need to get attention from your target audience. You've heard about, hey, you need to create content on social, you need to create content on blogs, podcasts, et cetera. Obviously, many people are familiar with digital advertising. And I think when you share your underlying story, this is like Simon Sinek's Start With Why. So for those who haven't seen his TED Talk, he has the number one TED Talk in TED Talks. So, all right. Okay, so he has the number one TED Talk, and it's been seen tens of millions of times, I think maybe even hundreds of millions of times. And it really comes down to start with why you're doing what you're doing. And if you can start with that and share your story, I think you can get more press exposure. You can build better relations with your clients or your customers. And so what we do with whether it's a digital vision, so our agency, or whether it's with a platform like PressJock is like we encourage our clients to and our customers to really share their story. Like get out into the media and share, why did you start your business? Why are you different? Why does what you're doing matter? Why are you helping people? Why are you trying to change the world? And I think when you do that, you start to build more traction. Have you ever thought that you should write a book, that you should write the story of your life to help other people learn from your experience? Please go to memoirsherpa.com and learn how I can help you write, figure out your publishing path, and market your story, your memoir, to a bestseller status. So I see you're a best-selling author, and I want to ask you about that in a moment, but I just released the story of my life last year in the form of a memoir. Congrats. It's been amazing. And I would say for some of my businesses, it's very relevant and people are really into it. But for my core business, I'm not sure how much of that backstory is helpful or how much it might be harmful. For me, some of our biggest clients are Google and Salesforce and LinkedIn, huge companies doing huge things with us. And if they know my backstory, I mean, if they read the whole thing, then they're like, this woman's powerful. But if they just read the first chapter, they'd be like, this woman might not be able to be the one to take us from where we are now to where we need to go. So talk to me about how you frame your life story or your story or your why for your business and when not to. Yeah, that's a great question. I think personally, it depends on your comfort with being vulnerable and transparent. And so obviously, there are things that 
you want to be public and there's things that you don't want to be public. I think the question is just on the scale of how much you want to do that. I think the question is focused more on that. Like, how much do you really want to share versus should you share at all? And I think you should share, right? So maybe you don't want to put all of the things into your story. That's fine. That's totally your prerogative and totally your perspective. But if it comes to a question of should you talk about your why in your business or from a personal credibility or branding perspective or not? I think you should. Yeah. I know. That's a definite. Yeah. Talk exactly. about your why, not exactly. necessarily your whole backstory. So talk to me about exactly. your book. I don't know about it. So just lay it on me yeah, or so, books if you have yeah, more so than one. I have one. So I wrote a book called What is Cryptocurrency? It's called Decoding Digital. What is Cryptocurrency? And it's really a simple, straightforward book to get the basics of the industry. And it covers all the hot topics, acronyms that you've probably heard, Bitcoin, NFTs, Ethereum, like like what is all this stuff? Wallets, hot wallets, full of like, whoa, 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 whoa. Gas charges. Yeah. What the heck? Exactly. Are we building a whole like what, exactly. other planet out on? there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so the reason why I wrote it was because at the time, and this is going to seem like, well, that's kind of funny. But at the time, Bitcoin was peaking in one of its first bull markets, so like upswings, and it was peaking at around $20,000. Now, in retrospect, with Bitcoin at the time of this recording being about $28,000, US $28,500, it seems, oh, that's kind of low. But at the time, Bitcoin had gone on a run up from, I want to say around the $5,000 range to the $21,000 range. And my parents at the time were like, what is Bitcoin? Should we take out money and invest in it? And I was like, no, 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 no. wait a second. Now is not the right time. But I couldn't really follow up with here's why and here's what you need to know, because there were just too many things I had to explain over dinner. And so I thought my parents were not the first people to ask me this, Like my grandma was asking me about it, like I had friends asking me about it, all the rest. And so I was like, I'm just going to write a book instead of answering everyone all the time. And so I wrote a book publish it, self-publishing on Amazon. It became a bestseller in five different countries. And it's since moved off the bestselling list, but it became a bestseller for a little while there. And yeah, it took a long time to write the book, but I imagine the book reads like, this is for parents, grandparents, and fifth graders. Like, no, it wasn't. wasn't. Well, so here's what I did with the book. I made it so that depending on your level of insight, you could go as deep as you wanted. So I split the book up to, it's not a start to finish book. You can jump around to whatever topic you're interested in. And there's really three or four different sections. So it really starts out with, here's the very basics of what this topic is about. Then if you want to go further, here's a little bit more information. If you want to go a little deeper, we can start to nerd out on it and get geeky. And then if you really want to impress your friends and you really want to like, oh, I know my stuff about this topic, you can go really deep. And it's like, it really nerds out. And, and so when did you publish it? I published it, oh, Jesus, must have been three years ago. Okay, that's cool. So what is your backstory and your why? Well, so I've always been interested in entrepreneurship since the time I was pretty young. I never really liked the university, but I started a company in my last year of university and we grew that to about 50, 60 temp staff at the time. And then I exited that company and went off and kind of traveled the world for a bit, came back and I got into sales and I thought, I really want to do something interesting in technology, I think, but I wanted to learn sales first. And so I got into sales and then that turned into marketing and I've progressed forward from there. And so 
everything that I'm doing right now, personally, I believe that marketing the right companies can help shift our world for the better. So I really do believe that, which is one of the reasons why I got into Web3. I looked at the banking system. I read the white papers or the breakdowns of what Bitcoin was all about. And I thought, this is something that I think we need. And so my why is I believe that marketing the right companies, interesting companies can help shift innovation and push us forward. And so I want to see that happen in greater amounts. And so that's why I created Digital Vision. That's why we work with Web3 companies. That's also why I created Press Jockey, because I want to give that to anyone who has a cool idea. Like you don't have to pay our rates at the agency, which are tens of thousands of dollars. Like you can go and do it for a hundred bucks a month and it's going to really help you. And so this is why I did that. Thank you for that. What would you consider a great marketing strategy for business? And what do most businesses miss? Okay, or do so wrong? two questions. I know you can um, handle it. I know you can do it. Yeah. And also, I'll remind you. Yeah. So the what would I consider a great business strategy? So this is obviously going to depend on each company. I think a great business strategy for marketing is one that works in a way that is sustainable for your business case at the time. So it's a long sentence. One that is sustainable for your business case at the time. So for example, if you're a startup and you're bootstrapping your company, what is sustainable for your business at this time versus all of a sudden you get $10 million of funding? Great. That's totally different. So let's switch the marketing strategy. What is sustainable for your business at that time? Great. You're a $100 million, billion dollar company. It's a totally different ballgame. And so that's how I would look at it. The second question was, what do businesses miss? I think one of the things they miss is you don't need to do it all at once, but you do need to get started. So you don't need to do it all at once, but you do need to get started. This is applicable for anything you do, whether that's SEO, whether that's content, whether that's advertising, whether that's press, whether that, like, it doesn't matter, community development, like speaking engagements, you don't need to do it all at once, but you do need to get started. And so I think a lot of companies miss this. They either think, okay, we're going to do all the things, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, like communities, advertising, we're doing events, we're blah, 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 blah. blah. And you're like, whoa, there's only five of you. <laughs> How? Or you're like, there's 20 of you, but there's only two or three marketers on the team. How are you doing 15 different marketing activities that's not sustainable and it doesn't make sense for your business. You need to cut down. And so I think this is one of the challenges. Do you consider experiential events in person mostly? We could talk about virtual as well. Really an important part of integrated marketing. And is that something you focus on with your clients? So I do not focus on it. Because it's I not do, part of your three, Yeah, right? it's, not, it's not part of our three, right? right. And so this is the thing. Like, we have gone down the path of trying to be a full-service agency, right? And so as someone who's done, like I've done many of the marketing things, I understand it from a CMO perspective. But our agency, like we only wanted to focus on the things we were really, really good at. Not the things that we were okay at. I didn't want to have to outsource to different like sister agencies or partner agencies. And I don't really work with them all the time. So I don't really know how they, good they are. So we decided to narrow our focus into the things that we do in-house. We're really good at it. So experiential events is not something that we do. Now, do I think events and experiential events can be beneficial? Yeah, it depends on the business. I personally love going to events. I found very good success in conferences and meetups for the Web3 world. Like That's how we've gotten some of our clients. And so I do like it, but it's something that you've got to consider as it relates to your business use case. 
What is your, let's see, today is March something. It's the 23rd. What are you doubling down as a strategy for growth within, I would say, both digital vision and press jockey, just lop them all together. What are you doubling down for your growth strategy? Yeah, good question. Well, they're very different. So digital vision, we're doubling down on events, like more conferences. Like I'm you attending to, them. Yes, me attending them, yeah. me speaking at them. Like that's, we're doubling down on that. Yeah. Part of that is connecting with great people on podcasts as well, right? So that's mm-hmm. part of it. So that's digital vision. With press jockey, we're doubling down, tripling down on community. Yeah. And Community is something that I think is really undervalued in non-Web3 worlds, right? So in the Web3 world, in blockchain, crypto, NFTs, like community is super important. But in e-commerce, in services, in like other areas, like people don't have massive communities on Facebook per se, or Discord or Telegram channels. It's like, yeah, okay, we use advertising and we use PR and we use all, all these other things, which is fine. But for us, community is a big one that we're, we're doubling down on now. And it's something that I secretly love doing. Like I'm always on Facebook groups and whatnot, but I've just never really had a team to focus on just that. So that's one of the things that we're focusing on right now. For more information, go to the show notes where you're listening to this podcast. Want to know more about me? Go to my website, officialnatashamiller.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you loved the show. If you did, please subscribe. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please leave a review where you're listening to this podcast now. I'm Natasha Miller, and you've been listening to Fascinating Entrepreneurs. 